So I, I, I have some butt that I want to address. Oh. Yeah. Um so I think I think it's 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 responsible and it's good for us to address some business up top. Sure. The first thing that I want to address is the fact that uh, I, I do have a pop filter this week. Rejoice. Fantastic. Re- re- rejoice, listeners. Uh, I, I have fixed I th- that problem. I think I, I, think I see, your, <laughs> I think I see a related um, search term in here. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I do have a search term that is immediately relevant, so we might as well just jump right onto that one. Sure. I mean, do you want to get your other uh, uh, um, item out of the way first? No, let's, let's, let's start with this. All right. Okay. We'll jump right in. Yeah, I searched for Reduce Plosives Reaper because I realized after we recorded last week with me on the new microphone. That's right. I, I realized while listening back for the edit, I realized that um, I need a pop filter real bad. Uh, my plosives in that mm. episode are horrifying. So I have tried to reduce it as much as possible with an HPF. And mm-hmm. if if that actually works, great. If not, it's a it's a free show. What are you paying? Two bucks a month, maybe at patreon.com slash idle curiosities. Yeah. That's okay. You should go check it out if you if you want to pay that much. Um but you know, otherwise it's free. Yeah, no, I um yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. How's the edit? You said you were working on that before the show. You know, I've got about ten minutes left in the main show, and then I need to decide if I want to edit through the after show, which I probably will do. Um, because it's going quickly well, now. It's a bad after show, in my opinion. Yeah, but so glad. I got to I got to finish the edit. But the, that that brings me to th- my my other bit of business. Mm-hmm. And my other bit of business is that I have retired the song "Yellow Jacket," which has been the theme song for Idle Curiosity since the beginning. You told me, yeah, yeah. Back when we started the show, we we needed theme music. And, and when and, and when Noel says "we," uh, Noel actually means he means that. Um, uh, the the previous host of the show, friend of the show, yeah. Jason Hellman. Yeah, so for, former co-host of the show, Jason Hellman, his brother-in-law is a music producer and graciously mm-hmm. gave us a selection of tracks and said, here, you can pick one of these and use it. Uh, and so he did, and it served us really well so far. But increasingly and increasingly, I have found myself going, I'm a competent music producer person myself uh and <laughs> you want to get you want to have another scratch at that one i'm a, i i'm something of a musician myself <laughs> and i realized that i enjoy making short little musical stings and i wanted to make one so i made one for last week and i threw it in the episode and i'm pretty happy with how it sounds and I think I'm just going to keep making things for a while until I get bored with it or find something that feels distinctly idle curiosities. And if I find something that feels distinctly idle curiosities, maybe we'll just adopt that as a new theme song. But for the meantime, sure. I think it's a fun thing to just fuck around with. So I'm going to I'm going to start composing my own stings. And they're just going to be little little experiments being made with software instruments in or in logic. And it's 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 mm. going to be fun for all of us. And occasionally you're going to hear one and you're going to say, hey, I wish I had an MP3 of that. And I'm going to say, you should give us $2 a month at idlecuriosities.com slash. Pa- no, wait, it's patreon.com slash idlecuriosities. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, right. either is, one should that. work. I should make sure that idlecuriosities.com slash Patreon redirects. Oh, yeah, that wouldn't be a bad idea. That wouldn't be a bad um, idea. I'll put that on top of my pile of things that I'm never actually going to do. <laughs> Uh, two plugs in the beginning of the episode. Wow, you're two plugs feisty. before the theme song, which is going right here. This is Idle Curiosities, a search-driven podcast by Liz Mulholland and me, Noel Midnight. Each week, we look at what we've been searching the internet for, and then exclusively talk about Lana Del Rey and fonts. Enjoy the show. Hey, <laughs> uh, I, I also want to wait a minute. Is this actually the because um, our, our episode numbering is numbering is a little janky. Uh, so seven. our numbering has so, diverged from itself. Yeah. Yeah. So 
in the spreadsheet, in the spreadsheet where you put our search strings, every single one that we've been using since the beginning of the show, uh, this is episode 69. However, I don't think this is actually episode 69 yet. I think we're on 68. Yeah, I think you are correct. <laughs> and I should really do something to fix that divergence, but I'm not going to. But what I am going to do... So I'll save all my jokes for next week. Sure. What I'm going to do is I'm going to address the thing in our lives that has maybe made the most impact on our general mental health and well-being in this past week. Sure. Tell me why you Googled new Discord font. (laughs) Oh, I was was wondering which term you were going to go for there. Uh, Yeah, so um, as we all know, um, there's... Do you know, does it have a name? Um, yeah, then I'll, I'll get, get I'll You get can there. get there. Um, <clears throat> as we all know, there is only one chat platform that everybody uses now, um, and that platform is Discord. I know this, I know this is a joke. This is a joke. Don't, don't at me. I know there's it, others. No, it, it really um, feels like there's only one chat for, platform that everyone uses now. Like, on OkCupid. I mean, that is the thing. It's, it's, oh, really? Okay. On, on OkCupid, nine out of ten people will eventually say, hey, can we jump to Discord? And then the the 10th person always wants to do something like signal. All right. So you see, this is the thing, because I was I was trying to account for and I don't mean this term in a derogatory fashion, normies, um, because I feel like normies are very likely to be using Facebook Messenger. No, the the normies are on Discord now. The normies are like most overwhelmingly on Discord now. I guess I'm, 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 I'm getting I'm getting a queer audience, I guess. All right. Because, okay. like, on, on OkCupid, well, the people that I'm matching with are generally cute queers, sometimes goth in nature, usually autistic. <laughs> um, uh-huh. And I can't imagine why anyone who fits that category might ever have a problem with the Facebook Corporation. Mm, I, I don't even know what the Facebook Corporation is anymore. <laughs> I don't think they do either. Well, they don't um, because it's meta. It's meta. Uh, allegedly. They're called meta. I, I went and I did allegedly. a research. I did a research um, experience study thing with meta. You what, did. A couple weeks which ago you can't now. talk about. I'm not allowed to talk about it. I did sign an NDA, but it was it was with Oculus stuff, yeah. which like I'm okay supporting. I'm okay with supporting meta's research into Oculus stuff right now because I think VR is really cool. And let's be honest. Yeah, there yeah. aren't a sure. lot of players in that specific game. No, there aren't. Uh, so if I want to have my voice heard as they're developing new Oculus shit, yeah, damn well bet I'm going to talk to anyone who will listen to me. Absolutely. No, that makes sense. But yeah, um, the font. Anyway, the font. So, the font, Jerry. The, the font. font. So. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of normies are. On, I guess the normies are on Discord now, which is good to know because I always try to account for that because I know that my social circles skew strange and nerdy. So, you know, you, you you say that maybe one out of ten is on Signal. I know more than that number of people who are using this uh, Signal regularly. That makes sense. Um, but anyway. But you're, you're also part of, of that, like, you're part of that tech crowd who actually cares about security. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that that's where I think my normie friends are not like you. The normies don't care that, yeah, about security as much. I know. Trust me. I'm aware. So anyway. Uh, Discord, popular chat platform. You've probably heard of it. Um, you probably use it if you're listening to this show. It's like a vent. (laughs) 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 I'm so sorry. I keep derailing you. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Remember if it's a new font and it <laughs> I sure do. Oh, do I ever remember Mumble? Oh god. See, I my experience yeah. with Entrello and Mumble were back in the day when I was trying to get into WoW. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was that was all or that anybody fucking, used on WoW. TeamSpeak. Oh fucking god, yes, TeamSpeak. TeamSpeak. Holy shit, I forgot about TeamSpeak. Yeah, when I when I played Eve Online, we used TeamSpeak a lot. Um I can imagine. <clears throat> Yeah. Anyways, um, Discord has a new font. They've named it GG Sans because uh, you know, as much is as that, they, is like, that G I G I or just G G? No, that's the two, the letter G, uh, twice in a row, as in good game. Because this is oh. interesting to me how how Discord um like is kind of halfway trying to move away from their 
what I perceive to be their image anyway as being for gamers, but they can't fully shake it, and I don't think they ever will fully shake it. So they uh, they have a new font. It's a um, if you're into typography, I would describe it as a uh, mostly as a grotesque sans. Um, what does that mean? It means it's like it looks kind of like Helvetica, except it's. Oh, I've just realized that the Discord I'm staring at hasn't actually got the new one yet. It's got the old one still because it's not been consistently rolled out yet because. Discord is terrible at just pushing updates in a consistent manner to all their apps on all their platforms. Anyway, the new font sucks. The new font is an abomination. I, It's worse for reading than their old one. Um, their old font was a font called Whitney, which was also a sans, which I don't... If in general, if I'm reading a big, long message, I want a serif. I want a serif typeface. Yes. As, as is the, the general old- rule. As is the general yeah. rule. That's yeah. not just like, that's not a personal preference thing. That's actually a standard. Sure, sure. Um, it's a standard that has been widely ignored online for a very long time, which I disagree with. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's it. you can make decent choices with a sans that still maintains legibility on a variety of screens and at a var- variety of sizes. Um, Discord ignored that when they picked their new font. It's... The font is fine for, like, the channel listing and other oh, UI elements like that, where where it's bold. What do you, yeah, you know the rant that's about to happen. Oh, boy. It's fine. It's okay. I don't hate it there. The problem is that the um the, when they're using it for body text, like, for the actual text of the message, you know, it's not bold anymore because they're only using bold for UI elements. And uh, at those lighter weights, it sucks. It's... Just, it's really, it's not pretty. It's harder to read. It, it looks at, harsh. To me, at least, it looks harsh. And if you're not on a retina display, it has some weird anti-aliasing going on. Oh, God, and, yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, and it does. The capital that uppercase M, weird that, as hell. that uppercase M bugs the ever-living fuck out of me. Especially. The uppercase M is bad. The uppercase like, P is also bad. The aliasing on M is so bad. Something that bothers me about it personally that I suspect most people won't be bothered by, but it bothers me a lot, is that it looks, at first glance to me, it is similar to Accident's Grotesque, which is a um, a, uh, a font similar to Helvetica that actually predates it. Um, most notable, I would say, for being used in the original redesign of the New York City subway uh, signage and wayfinding system. It was later replaced by Helvetica. Anyway, I love that font. I love that font a lot. It's probably my favorite Sans font. And... It has enough of the identifying marks that I used that I would use to identify it out in the wild that at first glance I think it's, I think it's accidents, but then I look closer and it isn't, and then I see the lowercase l, which has a weird little serif going on at the end, kind of like trebuchet ms, and I just want to go scream about it. And then last night I uh, fired up my Windows computer to play some video games, um, and uh, you know how. Um, if you care about this thing, and I'm so, and I, I envy you if you don't. I envy you if you don't have these rainworms. But um, Windows is worse at font rendering than Mac OS. And, oh uh, God, yeah, it is. It, it looks terrible on Windows. It looks bad on Windows. <clears throat> so, Liz, me. I, I have a concern that I need to bring up. Please do. I, I, I have a concern, and it's a real concern, which is that I've started talking to a new person on OKCupid, right? Yeah, uh huh. And yeah. this how's that going? It's it's going great. It's fun. It's 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 it's, it's a it's a good vibe. It's it's very 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 good. They but listen I'm, to the show, don't they? I'm concerned because they listened to one episode of the show, and that was last week. Yep. And last week we opened well, last episode. It wasn't well, last sure, week. Sure, sure, last episode. But last episode we yeah. opened the show by talking about Apple in pretty good depth. And now this week we're oh, opening yeah, we did, the show by we? talking about fonts in pretty good depth. And I'm concerned. Yeah. That the person that uh-huh. I'm putting forward into the world via the podcast is a lot nerdier than my actual life tends to be. And I'm concerned that maybe the people who are listening to the show are beginning to get this distorted version of who I am. Where, like, I'll be honest with you, I don't care that much about fonts. I think it's cool. I love acknowledging them. But I don't actually care. I really want to be clear on that. I don't actually care. Please don't think I'm a nerd. <laughs> No, well, I hate to tell you, but you you are a nerd, just in a different way than, well, certainly than I am, or than I guess the stereotype would be. Um, also, like, all of your friends are people who care in that way. I don't know if you've noticed this. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It does seem as though I have surrounded <laughs> myself with other people who also have autism. Huh. Wonder how that happens. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, birds of a feather, I guess. Something like that. Something like that. Tell me about ambrosia. Ambrosia. So what do you know about ambrosia? Uh, the dessert? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, um, I can't place it. It it feels like it's one of those sort of like, it's based on a, like, to make a terrible analogy, the mother sauce of it would be one of those Midwestern jello salads. That's, that's a, that's a great way to think about it. Um, it, it's one of those, it's in that genre, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's in that. I have a recipe for it somewhere around here from my grandmother. I don't think I've ever made it, but. See, that's the, that's you know, the thing I, with I, the ambrosia I'm, I'm salad. I'm placing it right now, but I have had it. Yeah. That's the thing with ambrosia it's salad. It's salad. It is, it is, it is, yeah. it is a salad that either the recipe is supposed to be handed down generation to generation, or you're supposed to pick it up out of a church cookbook. Yeah, Exactly. I'm pretty sure that's where mine is from. Yeah. It's from a Lutheran church cookbook in uh, New Jersey. Also, talk about a lost art. Is there anyone still making church cookbooks? I don't know. I haven't set foot in a church in years. I, I, I genuinely hope that there are still people making church cookbooks because what a, what a, wonder, I do too. What a wonderful thing to come out of uh, the fucked up disaster that is Christianity. Yeah, I mean, that is the thing. They are really good if you're into, you know, nutritional anthropology, basically. They are a fantastic historical record of like, you know, you get family recipes in there because they'll just put them in there. Um, it's just submissions from whoever's using them. Maybe half of them are from like a Betty Crocker magazine or whatever, but that's fine. Yeah. I don't know what, if that's still a thing or not. So, huh? So anyway, yeah, uh, I, I Googled Anyways. Ambrosia because, well, the same person that we were just talking about who I've been talking to recently, we were talking about, the Midwest and the, mm-hmm. the topic of salads came up and right. as, right. as is well documented at this point, I am a fan of Midwestern salads. You sure are. Now, ambrosia salad, for those who aren't familiar with it, ambrosia salad is generally a salad that is made with canned pineapple, canned mandarin oranges, marshmallow, coconut, and then some sort of cream to like hold it all together usually like a whipped cream or even a cool whip if you get really really fancy you can go into like a yogurt or a cottage cheese but it, it oh highfalutin yogurt good lord i know it's 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 <laughs> it is quite frankly fruit and cream and marshmallows yeah peaches and cream and i started googling ambrosia just because like i haven't thought about ambrosia in a while and Me i either. do like ambrosia and the it is, yeah, I'm not opposed. It is unfortunately winter now, and it does not feel like a very winter food. No. It does no. feel distinctly summery. But now I'm thinking like, yeah, oh. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm picturing like a, like a spring, summertime, you know, uh, church potluck. Right. Yes. <clears throat> or like a 4th of July party, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yes, 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 yes. And so I, I was just thinking Because it's sort of cold, as salads tend to be. You know, and I, I googled it because I was like, okay, I know what my version of ambrosia is. I know how mm-hmm. I would make ambrosia, but what what else is out there? What is what it's what's being called ambrosia nowadays? And do you know what I found? What did you find? A recipe by Alton Goddamn Brown. Are you fucking kidding me? Alton Brown <laughs> has an ambrosia recipe, and here is did what he, it has. Uh, take it from his uh, church uh, church's cookbook. God, I hope so. <laughs> Here, here is the recipe for you. Half yep. cup heavy cream. One mm-hmm. tablespoon right. sugar. Four ounces yep. sour cream. So that's where so he's making his own. So he's making his own cream base and not just using a tub of Cool Whip. Got Correct. it. Correct. All right, all right. That's what I expect from Alton Brown. Six ounces, and this is where it gets unrealistic. Six ounces homemade mini marshmallows. You're not babish. One cup clementine orange segments. Sure. One right, cup chopped fresh pineapple. Mm-hmm. One cup freshly grated coconut. All right. One okay. cup toasted chopped pecans, which I like that addition. Right. I think that's a good one. Yeah. I've. This is the thing. I feel like um, having had ambrosia in, I'm going to say, two different uh, cultural traditions, uh, the pecans are definitely a southern addition, but I'm not opposed in the slightest. I do like to see the pecans in there. 
Yeah, I, I like it quite a bit. And then he ends it all off with a half cup of drained maraschino cherries. Classic. A classic. Yeah. And now that I've done this research. If it weren't for the, um, yeah, if it weren't for the homemade mini marshmallows, this would be like, this is a pretty standard ambrosia recipe. I can dig it. Now that I've done the research, all I can think about is the fact that I really, really want to make ambrosia, even though it's out of season. Mmm, mood. I get that. Yeah, I, I may has end Babish up... Done, has Babish done jello salads yet? I feel like I want to see Babish do Surely, surely he's done some sort of jello salad. But yeah, uh, I, I... He's done the overnight salad from SNL. I've not seen one. Seven layer salad from How I Met Your Mother. I guess that's probably close enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's... It's the one from a sitcom. It's from... Fucking How I Met Your Mother is goddamn haunting me, I swear. Is it really from How I Met Your Mother? Drop me that link. Um, the one that Babish did, yeah. Go into our Idle Curiosities Discord server and drop that in the yeah, show yeah, notes yeah. channel. I'll put it there. Yeah, so the people know we're alive. Yeah. Seven-layer salad from How I Met Your mm. Mother. God, I really would. I really, really would. However, unfortunately, we do still have a show that we have to keep making. <laughs> we do, allegedly. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to ask you... About the, the the one that is, as far as I can tell, the most related to what we were just talking about. And it's that doesn't mm-hmm. mean related at all. Young Jersey's sure. Dairy. Young's Jersey Dairy is Sorry, a... Sorry, Young's Jersey Dairy. I said that wrong. Yes, that's all right. Uh, Young's Jersey Dairy is a, um, it's a dairy farm in Yellow Springs, Ohio, um, which is approximately eh, 20 to 30 minutes from where I used to live in Springfield, Ohio. I always forget I that you thinking... used to be an Ohioan. Yeah, for about two years, when I was attempting to go to college, Ugh. failing mostly. Ugh. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, um, we all make mistakes. I was mm, so many. I've Everybody has mistakes. those days. Yep. The um, the only reason this came up, and I, I call this a feeling lucky. It's going to be a quick one. I was just thinking about this place because there there's a um, there's a Twitter account which is also it now exists on Mastodon, and all it does is post um pictures like old Kodachrome slides of um roadside attractions from like the 60s and 70s which is an interesting vibe i i appreciate it because it's for one thing it's a lot of stuff that just isn't there anymore like the 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 one that sent me down this rabbit hole is a and let me dig that link back up for the notes Mm -hmm. um is a um a picture of the inside of a cafe in upstate new york and it's just got that beautiful 1970s wood paneling going on the dark wood paneling mm-hmm. um and it just it just it just looks a it just looks kind of cozy in a in an antique sort of sense but it also reminded me so strongly of the dining room at young's Jersey jerry dairy because they have a restaurant or had a restaurant past tense i'll get to that in a minute here is the link for the where the discord go there it is there's that link for the show notes um, hey there we go you know, yeah. You look oh, at that. It's you got, know what that the, looks uh, like to me? What's it look like? Mm-hmm. That looks like a summer camp lodge. Like, the, <laughs> Oh, yeah, it does. The type of lodge yeah. that gets rented out to church groups. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely. what that looks like. Um, I God, you can smell that room. You can smell oh, yeah, you that can, photo. You can smell the coffee burning in the corner. Oh, God. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yep. Um, Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a good photo. Mm-hmm. That's how you know it's a good photo yeah. is when it engages your other senses. <laughs> yes. Um, I descri- I described this room to a friend as um, it's the sort of room that Quentin Tarantino would film a diegetically meaningful conversation in. Mm. Now, I want to point out something about this that I'm just now noticing. Sure. The photo says it's from 1977, but if you had told me that this was from like... 2002 i would have believed you oh yeah because this is, this is the, the type of, of room they, that has not changed that they didn't remodel it has yeah. not changed since 1977 exactly and i was the the room that this reminded me of at young's Jersey. i keep saying Jersey jerry <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me so strongly of that dining room because it's also one of those rooms that hasn't been renovated since the late 1970s or the early 1980s. It has the wood paneling. Instead of these stackable chairs, it has benches at each table. At each hmm. table, um, But, you know, same sort of vibe. And it reminded me so strongly of that. And I thought, well, okay, 
I kind of miss that place. When I was when I was in when I was in college, I used to drive over there every so often. Um, because like it was a decent restaurant, like your typical sort of American fare. Really good ice cream. They made their own ice cream there. And I'd also pick up a whole crap load of cheese curds and stuff them in my dorm mini fridge because mm. I used to do this thing where I'd buy the frozen, like the little frozen boxes of uh, French fries from Meyer and um, the ones that come with the stupid little crisping foil tray on the inside of the box. Sure, yeah. So you can cook them in the microwave and they, well, they suck, but they don't suck as much as they could. They wouldn't be as soggy as they might be. And to be clear, I'd when you up- say crisping foil tray... You are not talking about actual yes. foil because you can't put that in the microwave. No, yes, no. Do not put uh, do not put aluminium foil in the microwave. If um, there's one thing that our show should be known for, it is warning people not to put metal in the microwave. Please don't put metal in the yes. microwave. Yes, I understand. It's, it's I understand that the name of the show is Idle Curiosities. You don't need to satisfy this fucking idle curiosity. Don't fucking do it. God damn it. Or if you do, don't blame us. Well, that's but, that's but fair don't too. do it. You shouldn't do it. You shouldn't do it. Okay, you know what? I, um, I'm changing my stance. You can do it. Just don't blame us. Do it. Do it. Go ahead and do it. No, put I'm, metal, I, no, don't put do metal it. in the microwave. Do Just not put metal in your microwave. Don't blame us. Don't blame us because we said not to do it. When I say foil crisping uh, material, I mean the stuff that they put on the inside of the Hot Pocket sleeve. Oh, yeah. What is that? Uh, It has just the... Like, the smallest amount of metal in it that they can get away with without it causing a problem for the microwave. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hmm. <clears> hmm. <throat> Anyways, so <laughs> let, let's try and walk back off these various diversions here. When I was in college, I'd go get these shitty microwave fries and a jar of gravy, and I'd go uh. and buy a... Sp- <laughs> you see where this is going. And then I would... um. Spend exactly as as much as I spent on the fries and the gravy to go buy a thing of fresh cheese curds and make dorm boutine. It was beautiful. It was fantastic. Now, to be clear, you were not living in Canada. You have never lived in Canada. That's correct. What? At what stage of your life were you first made aware of poutine? So there's two answers to this question, both of which are equally likely, but I don't really, I couldn't really tell you which one came first chronologically. Because I have been to Canada repeatedly, and I have had poutine in Canada. Mm. And like, if you go, if you, even if you go up enough far enough into Vermont, you will encounter poutine. Um, because if you go far enough into Vermont, you're basically in Canada, culturally speaking. The other thing here, oh, there's three things. So the second thing is that there's a um, there is a uh, burger joint in um, Providence that used to have poutine. Um, it wasn't that common in in southern New England, but you could sometimes find it. And this one particular burger joint called Stanley's did have it. But also, most New Jersey diners serve something called disco fries, which is fries with gravy and little pieces of mozzarella, fresh mozzarella cheese, which are pretty similar to cheese curds. Sure. Well, so I've been aware of the concept of poutine for a pretty long time. Okay. See, I think... Yeah, I think my first exposure to it very well might have been How I Met Your Mother. It was in How I Met Your Mother? Right, Robin. Robin Sparkles is from Canada. I don't want to watch How I Met Your Mother. I don't want to watch it again, but it keeps coming up. Don't. Don't. It's not good. It has not aged well. I know it hasn't. I love Marshall and Lily. I think they were really fun characters. But nothing else Fantastic. in that show has aged well, except for that one joke about the Halloween costume of the Hanging Chad. That joke has aged perfectly and will continue one, to age perfectly. That one was good. Um, I, I also, um, um, we, we've talked about Olive Theory in the past. Um, the joke that I remember most from that show, though, is actually, a, it was a visual gag um, where um, they, they called it a bag of sandwiches instead of a bag of weed. And yeah. um, every time they filled the, filmed the scenes, they had big, like, gallon-sized uh, Ziploc bags with hoagies in them. Which is... is, Hoagies. I I just love that. I love that. It's a great, great visual joke. That's a joke on par. I love a visual gag. That's a joke on par with Arrested Development's um, Mustard Parmesan. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. It's up there. It's up there. Anyway, so let's let's uh, step, step step back uh, one step further into yeah, the original topic. Step back here. from that ledge, my um, friend. <laughs> uh, the restaurant closed during COVID. Um, 
I was trying to find a picture of it, and I did find a picture of it. Very low quality, very poor. Um, and I'll put that in the show notes as well. However, they have decided to close the restaurant and only use it as an event space. Okay. Um, which I'm a little bit sad about. Which I'm a little bit sad about because it was, you know, they did a decent hamburger. They did a really decent hamburger. And I just look at this space that is clearly hasn't been renovated in so long. And, mm. you know, it's, it's a time capsule. It's a time capsule. That's a room it's where a you would see capsule. a budget wedding. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I love being able to see a room and instantly know, oh, yeah, that room's been used for something. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. I genuinely mm. love it. Yeah. It, it was good. You know, I have uh, of the few good memories I have in Ohio. Some of them happened in that room. Um, and, and, you know, sort of a, it's a more um, it's a more rustic theme. It's you could almost call it an Amish paradise. Mm, Amish paradise. Yes. I Googled Amish paradise, which doesn't really Why did seem, you Google Amish paradise. It doesn't seem like something that I would need to Google, does it? No, no, it doesn't. So I Googled it because I was watching Consequence of Sound's recent uh, video interview with Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, you linked that, and I haven't watched it yet. Um, and Al was talking about the, the creation of the new movie, Weird, the Al Yankovic story. And mm-hmm. he was talking about how at one point in the filming of the movie, they had to get Daniel Radcliffe dressed up for the Amish Paradise send-off. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And he commented that Daniel Radcliffe, he had pause about doing the outfit the way it was done in the original music video. Oh. Because the original outfit in the music video has these round glasses that Al wears. Yeah, he wore those in UHF, didn't he? Radcliffe was concerned that they were too similar to Mm. Harry Potter and didn't want that association. (laughs) Oh, I was I was I was wondering if maybe it was a contractual thing because like uh, Daniel Craig, as far as I know, cannot wear a tuxedo in other movies. That would make sense to me. Uh, yeah. But no, I I think that Radcliffe is just like trying to put Harry Potter behind him. I know that he's like a oh absolutely. good he's a good trans ally. He is on the record yes. multiple times speaking out against J.K. Rowling. Uh, I think he just wants to put yes. that entire thing behind him at this point, and I do not blame him. Oh, um, I don't know that. I mean, even if it weren't for that, I feel like child actors often have a really hard time putting, you know, their their famous childhood roles behind them. Yeah, and I think I, I I wonder how much of how many of the choices that he's made for what roles he accepts is, is an intentional attempt to make that happen. Oh, I think every single um, one. I think every single role sure. he has picked since Harry Potter has been him consciously and intentionally saying, "I am not Harry Potter. I am a person." Like, a full person. Yes. Not just this one character. I think he is... Yeah. T- I think he's and terrified. He's, re- he, he's great at it, too. Oh. Yeah, he. I'm sure he's... He's terrified I'm, of ending up like Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Uh, but I also think he's made some really interesting in the in good choices in what roles he'll accept. Um, so, like, even, you know, we, we could ignore his work in Harry Potter entirely, and I'd still say, yeah, this is this is a really interesting set of choices to make and he's a really good character actor oh absolutely um yeah but yeah i i googled amish paradise because i was like okay i gotta see those glasses <laughs> they're uh they're 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 thicker than harry's uh they are a little bit but like i can see why he took pause um oh totally yeah e- eventually al did get him to wear the glasses for the movie because you kind of have to have the whole costume um yeah yeah, but yeah, that's why I was googling it. Was I just I just wanted to see the glasses? I wanted to see like, okay, how close are we getting here? But yeah, that's Pretty it. That's close. all I got. Yep. Um, all right, all right. But if we want to talk about you know pop culture franchises that have ruined people's careers, let's talk about Forks Washington. <laughs> Ooh, that's a quick one. Now, this is a quick one, but yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one. Um, so. <sighs> If you don't know, there was a little, uh, there was a, um, there was a book series called Twilight written by Stephanie Meyer. Mm. Um, I've, I've never heard of it. About vampires. Really? Oh, wait, no. Is this that Fifty Shades fan fiction? (laughs) 
Yes. Yeah. Yes, anyway, exactly. go ahead. We're, we're, go ahead. We're going to do it backwards. Fucking. I, I, yeah, I'm doing they, the weird thing. Yes, exactly. Yes. Please, uh, if you haven't seen popular. Weird, the Al Yankovic story, please watch it. It is so good. It it's is so good. It's really good. It's fantastic. It's delightfully absurdist. But Forks, yes. Stephanie Meyer. But Forks, yes. Um, F- Forks is a novel about vampire. Uh, Forks. Twilight is a novel about vampires. It got three sequels and some other associated n- novels that go with it. And it got turned into a successful movie series. Is how most people, I think, know Robert Pattinson. And it is set in the town of Forks, Washington, which is a real town um, that, as far as I know, Stephanie Meyer had not yet, had not ever been to uh, while writing Twilight. Of course not. Um, if I recall correct, if I recall correctly, and I may be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure I remember this right. She just Googled for towns in Washington that get a lot of rain. And Forks, Washington, because it is right on the edge of the Olympic National Forest, um, out towards the coast, it gets a lot of rain. It gets a lot of rain. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be near the top of the list if you're looking for towns that get a lot of rain in Washington. Um, and that's that's why she picked it, as far as I can remember anyway. Huh. Funny, right? So this, this came up because I was thinking about the night sky and how much I miss being able to see the stars because I live in a city. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point in the near-ish future, maybe not during the winter because the sun sets so early here and it's going to be so cold and so dreary. But I was having a gander at a map that uh, shows you light pollution in various areas, well, well, all over the country. And there's a scale for light pollution. It's called the... Um, what the fuck is it called? Ah, da-da-da-da-da-da. Where the fuck... A Bortle. <laughs> All right. Like the football player. It's called the Bortle scale for uh, for light pollution. And um, oh, like, like you get what? out towards... Oh, God. Hmm? Blake I haven't Bortle. thought about yes, Bortles the, in a while. Uh... Yeah, me either. Um, not that I spend a lot of time thinking about the Jacksonville Jaguars, but, you know. I'm try not to. I also try not to. Fuck Jacksonville. But there is a, um, a Bortle 2 area that's about as, you know, the lowest on the scale is Bortle 1. Um, Bortle 2 is pretty damn good. There's a Bortle 2 area in Olympic National Forest. There's a Bortle 1 area heading towards, like, like closer to the coast than Forks is. Forks just happens to be the, so uh, the nearest the, the lower town. the number, the rainier? Oh, no, no. This is about light pollution. This is light pollution. The lower the number, the yeah, less yeah, yeah. polluted. The... Yes. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Uh, Bortle 1 is, you know, you are in the middle of nowhere. There is no light pollution. You can see galaxies with the naked eye. Bortle 2, you can usually still see galaxies with the naked eye, actually. But yeah, um, I've been in a Bortle 1. It was utterly fucking beautiful. It was just fantastic. I just assume that I grew up in a Bortle 1? Rural farm areas are usually a Bortle 3 or a Bortle 4. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, you can get darker. Like, I have I know the sort of place you mean. There's more. Hmm. There's more. That's gotta be um, fucking terrifying. It's a little bit haunting. Yeah. The, I don't the like that. One that I've, it's, it is an experience. I loved it. I miss it. The Bortle 1 that I was in was in Nevada. Um, out, like, way, way, way outside of Reno on um, US Route 95. It was incredible. It was utterly incredible but it was a little bit terrifying the same way that i think people have this sort of and i get it to a certain extent but not as much as most i think people have this completely rational and justifiable fear of the sea of these you know murky dark unknowns that are lurking underneath the surface of the water i think it's kind of like that if you have that little light coming from you know man-made sources around you mm-hmm. the Extent to which the sky is lit up just by the moon and the number of stars you can see is a little bit disorienting. It's a little bit weird. It's a little bit scary. Yeah. It's, I think it's something that everybody should experience if they can, because it is one of the most beautiful beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. And I cannot thank uh, Victoria enough for taking me out there to see it, but it is weird it is a little bit frightening at first but i want to see it again but i want to get back out there and see as many stars as i can so i'm just very 
very, very loosely starting to assemble plan at some point when the, uh, when the, uh, when sunlight starts being here for more time during the day so that I don't have to leave fuck early to drive out there. I want to, you know, head out there and make some time to see some just uninterrupted pure night sky. And that's out by the coast, and I think seeing that sort of thing by the coast would also be really pretty. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's 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 why I was googling Forks, Washington, uh, the uh, the uh, the fictional home of uh, vampires. Did you know that they <laughs> they fucking um, they have like a a, a week long Twilight Festival every year? Um, of course they because, do. Uh, because you, I think it still happens to a certain extent, but they used to have like a sort of four or five year long when Twilight was a huge social and cultural presence, um, they got a lot of tourism to folks because people wanted to see it, even though Stephanie Myers had never been there. Um, And even though most of the scenes in the film weren't filmed in Forks, there was only a couple at most. But it was still one of those things where people went there, people wanted to see it, and they capitalized on it, uh, which good for them, honestly. But they... I was Googling this late at night, but it did strike me as very funny that one of the big things on the Wikipedia page forks that they mentioned during um, uh, the, uh, the the Twilight Fest they have every year is a blood drive. Okay. Oh. Oh, yep. <laughs> uh, yep. Mm-hmm. There it Sorry, is. Sorry. Took half a second for that to click with my brain. Not really sure why. Yeah. Ah, you know. Uh, we did just spend more time talking about the majesty of the night sky than we did about vampires. So, you know. I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that. How do you felt your knitting? Don't now, first of all, wouldn't you feel it? This feels like the, the tense isn't right here. So, how to... F- oh, fuck joke. you. I'm so sorry. Fuck you. God damn it. <laughs> I'm not sharp today, apparently. Um, <laughs> and I am. <laughs> felt, as in the past tense of feel. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, no, yeah. how to felt your knitting. So Getting a little tense, are we? So you know, you know how wool tends to felt really easily, and like if you if you yes. fuck with a wool product enough, you can get it to the mm-hmm. point where you don't see the individual stitches. Instead, you just see the like colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it becomes this solid piece. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm currently working on a blanket. We talked about it in the last episode. I'm currently working on knitting a blanket called Hue Shift. The version that I'm making right now, I'm making with acrylic yarn, which does not felt. Mm-hmm. Right. However, I'm already thinking about what if I make this a second time? Mm. Committing yourself to another another three months. What if I make it a second time out of wool and intentionally felt mm. it into being this giant heavy wool blanket? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. You see where I'm going now. I think it's something that I could do. The problem is the best way to felt wool is it requires two things. Heat and friction. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. And water. Heat, water, and friction. Three things. I guess the heat, heat comes from the friction. Friction, water, and salt, right? Uh, no, oh, God. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I'm thinking... The easiest way to felt a piece of knitting is to mm-hmm. put it in the wash and then in a dryer on high heat. All right. So you're going to get some sense. shrinkage. Yep. But if I'm if I'm knitting a blanket, I don't think I really care too much about a little bit of shrinkage. That's fair. So I'm thinking about what if I what if I make this giant ass blanket and then just run it through the spin cycle and then dry it on high heat. And really felt it together into this, like, really unique piece. And mm-hmm. uh, I can't get the idea out of my head. Mm-hmm. It's become yeah. sticky. Yes. I do that. I think I'm going to try it on a smaller scale first. I think we're going to try maybe making a full wool scarf. Mm-hmm. And seeing if I can felt that successfully. All right. That makes sense. But I, I so, would. So when I, they're making, when they're commercially making wool products and they need to felt it, did they, did they just do the same thing on a much larger scale? See, if I were doing it at a commercial scale, I think I would have it lying on a plate being misted with water. Mm-hmm. And then have the plates clamp together and rub against each other. 
Oh, okay. All right. Hmm. While continually refreshing it with with fresh water. Because that oh, way, yeah. that way you get around the problem of felting it to itself. Because the last thing you want to do is have it folded over and have it like felt one edge to the other edge. Like, oh, yeah. You don't want to make a uh, Mobius strip out of it. Right. Unless that's what you're going for. Um, Actually, that would be kind of cool. That would be a full scarf. So I but think yeah, I want to no, do, I think I want to do some more research on how to felt a large item that maybe wouldn't work the greatest in the washer or dryer. Before I mm, actually commit yeah. to doing something like this, but it's right. it's it's yeah. a it's a fun idea, and it's an idea that I find really sticky because it creates an end product that looks it it, it doesn't look handmade, but at the same mm-hmm. time it looks really boutique, and it looks like it looks like yeah. something that yeah. isn't mass made, and so right. I, yeah. I I like that it's it's this thing that is in between worlds of type of product and it does hmm. it doesn't immediately show you how it was made if you aren't already in the know yeah no that i yeah that makes sense yeah like a knit hat you know it's a knit hat even if you know nothing about yeah. knitting mm-hmm. yeah you can tell by the way it is exactly yeah <laughs> but anyway there's that um and maybe I'll maybe I'll try and follow up on those thoughts once I'm done with this current blanket, which should take me about three months. Uh, I did the math. Right. The math says it should be two and a half to three months. Mm-hmm. And you're um, a pretty fast, fast knitter, but uh, I am you a also fast get distracted. Knitter. So, um, so three m- months seems reasonable. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you can see that, but I started row Ooh, two. You've started the second row. I started yeah. the second row. Yeah. Because I was just over whenever I was over there last. You had only uh, I think you had five squares. Yep, and I've done six now, which is exciting. But yeah, that's great. Um, you Googled, and I know why you Googled this one, zeal and ardor. I sure did. I would love I sure to know did. what you learned by Googling them. Him. Oh, I was just trying to find them on YouTube again so I could fucking find it. Okay. Um, after you reminded me what, what they were. Uh, zeal and ardor is a, um, Wikipedia describes them as an avant-garde metal band. I guess that's one way to put it. Which I guess, yeah. So you introduced this to me while I was sitting on your couch. And you mentioned that they're, um, I say there, it is a, um, uh, mostly a one-person project that has a backing band, I guess is the way to describe it. You, I forget how you describe it exactly, but, um, it has elements of soul music, I guess? Blues music, something in there? There are interesting things going on with their guitar tone and the way that they they, they compose their music which doesn't line up with how, what you normally get out of um metal music yeah um and i was pretty instantly hooked i was really into it it's a little bit industrial it's a little bit black metal it's but it's got that it's got that element where he's borrowing really heavily from like neo soul and like african american spirituals and like, yeah, he's doing this weird genre melding that is, I mean, for, for my money, it is truly fascinating and captivating. Uh, I'm going to put a link yes. to his song Church Burns in mm-hmm. the um, in the discord. Yeah, that's a good one. And um, they just put out a new a new single today. Was that today? You, yep. you sent it to me this morning. Put out a new single just um, this was... morning exceptionally good timing we have actually i have two music ones here so we can i might do the i might uh, call an audible and talk about the other yeah. music one here at the same Let's time do it. but um yeah no zeal and ardor you showed that to me and i was i was just trying to find it again so i could give it an, another listen it was really good it really captivated me it's just so it's uh it's a little there's even some there's a little bit of post rock in there there's a little bit of you know down tempo progressiveness in there on certain songs. Yeah. Um uh I, I like really on Wikipedia it comments that he he stated that the band came from the question of what if American slaves had embraced Satan instead of Jesus? Oh. Oh that's an interesting that's an interesting concept. <laughs> yeah, okay. I see it. I see I see how they get there too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you're into that sort of thing at all, or if you're into hearing some really interesting genre combinations in one album, that's a good one. That's a good one to listen to. I have been listening to it since to that to their most recent album since I heard a couple tracks of Noel's, and they just put out a new single 
today. Also fantastic. Another person who put out a single today in a completely different genre is uh, Lana Del Rey. Yeah, tell me about Lana. I haven't, I haven't heard this yet. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm, Lana I'm Del not, Rey. Really, I am not what we would call a stan. You're not a Lana stan. I get. I'm yeah. a casual Lana stan. I, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sad girl. I like Lana, but I'm not like, you know, I'm not a, not a super fan. I'm not out here uh, making fan cams or getting in fights on Twitter about it. God, um, if only. <laughs> so uh it's got it's it's very the 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 orchestration is pretty string heavy which i like in a lot of song that's a good sign i think for a um uh for a lana del rey track um and the album is it does feature jack antonoff and it features a couple other people whose name i forget right now but it also features father john misty who's going to be on a track and john baptiste so there's uh-huh. some interesting things going on there that i can't wait to see and the album is called did you know that there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? Because Lana likes long, titles, long song titles about as much as Panic at the Disco used to. Uh-huh. So the first single is also called Did You Know That There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard? Of course it is. Uh, is it good? I, yeah. It's, yeah, it's good. I, it's, you know, it's slow. It's got strings. It's moody. It's, it's, it, it feels like a bit of a return to form for Lana. Because um, there were a couple of albums there. And her most recent, I liked her most recent album a lot, but there were a couple of albums there that were just sort of, I would describe as middling. Um, sure. But this, this feels good. This is, this feels good. I'm trying to find details uh, on this single. Like I'm trying to find credits your... for this single, but I'm not seeing them right mm. away. Huh. Cause I want to know who did the string arrangements. I would also like to know that. Um, I don't know much about her uh, production process there. I don't know who has been doing those in the past, admittedly. Yeah. Um, but it would be interesting to know. So, oh yeah. So the, um, the production credits on the, and this is a hell of a, um, this is a hell of an album cover. It, it looks like an old jazz album to a certain extent. It's very retro, um, mm. which I like production by Mike Hermosa, Jack Antonoff, Drew Erickson, Zach Dawes, and Benji songs featuring John Batiste, bleachers, father, John Moss, Misty, Judah Smith, Tommy Genesis, and Simmel? Smile? Simmel. S-Y-M-L. Simmel. Don't know that. Um, I'm really interested to hear what she did with John Baptiste, personally. I am, too. I am, too. Um, I think that John doesn't get nearly enough credit just, like, being on late-night television. Yes. Uh, I don't think he gets yeah. nearly enough credit for being just an incredible fucking songwriter. Oh, absolutely. So but I also I'm, don't, like, I, this is... The, I also don't think he gets enough credit for... Like, he's good on late-night. Like, uh, this is... Oh, he's the best. He's the best currently working. Not, yeah. I reached the point where I was still stubbornly catching the late show more for John Petiste than I was for Colbert himself. Yeah. To be perfectly honest. I've definitely gave it up, but I've caught myself doing that too. Cause just John is really, really good. Um, yeah, he has a video on YouTube where he was performing at jazz night in America. Yeah, oh, that one is that. so good. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, no, I'm interested. I'm I'm interested to see what uh, what Father John Misty's up to here, up to here on this one. That's gonna be that's see, gonna be fun because I, I hmm? for me Father John Misty and Lana just feel almost too obvious. Yeah, almost almost too obvious. It does it does feel a bit like pandering. I'll grant you that. Like but they, they're pandering to me, so I can't wait to see what happens. They've definitely done coke together. Oh. <laughs> There's no way they haven't. There's no way they haven't. Like, I don't need a source on that. I know that it's true. No. No. <laughs> it's, no. It's, it's one of no those way. true truths. Yeah, it is It is absolutely an, it is an, it is an unknown known, if we want to get all Rumsfeldian about it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Liz, uh, should I start it, doing what the McElroys are doing? What's that? Should I be filming each of our episodes and then, like, cutting out little clips and putting them on YouTube in, like, three-minute chunks so that people have something to click on? I don't know. Maybe. I'm not going to it do require... it. I don't want extra work for this show. <laughs> I know you don't. That's why I was a little bit confused. But I keep thinking about uh, it because it feels like that would be actually a good way to grow our audience a little bit. Um, I know that Yeah, I mean, we, we've we been even stagnated. Just, you know, yeah, well, we haven't put out episodes. We could actually go, but, you know, I put out a couple of clips 
uh, from episodes that I just clipped using Overcast. I'm, we could keep I'm that up. so angry at you yeah. for suggesting Why? that maybe to grow an audience, the first thing we should do is put out episodes. Well, I mean, it's kind of, you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. Um, yeah. You want to, speaking of starting somewhere, you want to continue the music theme? Because you've got a music one. Yeah, I've got a music one. Yeah, and uh, I, that's that's not how this the song is a sad goes. One. It's 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 uh, you search nobody loves you like me, but that's not how it goes. It's nobody loves you like I love you. Oh, very funny. Wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, we definitely searched, made that joke before. I searched nobody loves you like me, which is a song by Jonathan Colton off of his 2012 mm-hmm. album Artificial Heart. My favorite Jonathan Colton album. Oh, by far. Um, yeah. and it's, it's one of those songs that I realized while listening to it earlier this week, I realized that I suddenly understand it in a way that I've never understood it before. Really? Yeah. Huh. So this, this has been a persistent thing, like over the past year since the, since the start of the divorce process, since, mm-hmm. since my first breakups, I have noticed that mm-hmm. I am a lot more attuned to songs that are actually about breakups and divorce. And There's I looked, a lot of them. Turns out. I looked up Nobody Loves You Like Me on Genius, and one of the top mm-hmm. comments is somebody uh, speculating that maybe the song is about divorce. And so I reread the lyrics from that perspective, and all of a sudden I went, oh, holy shit, that's exactly what this song is. Mm. It's yeah. this it's this petulant man child who is sitting at the bar angry that this person would dare break up with him because after all nobody loves you like me. Right. Uh and so like I sat there and I listened to the verse um I shouldn't stay I think you'll agree it's no good for you no better for me in the morning I'll go to a place far away somewhere you'll never find me. Mm. I catch a look, a thing that you say, out on the fire escape, smoking all day, missing someone. Now, who could it be? Nobody loves you like <laughs> me. It's just, it's, it's this, it's this dark, acidic, like, song that is just drenched. It's, it's a song that is just drenched in bitterness and anger at yeah. this person who broke up with the protagonist. And the protagonist mm-hmm. is now really selfishly and childishly saying, well, at the end of the day, you're going to come back because after all, who else you got, baby? I love you more than anybody else could ever do. Yeah. And no, it is. It's very much a breakup song. I'd never really realized that before. I, I, I hate to say that everything is the tism. But for <laughs> me, I do think I have a touch of the tism where I can't fully understand a song unless I have a personal experience I can relate it to. No, that, that I don't necessarily think that's all the autism and all, but also there's, there's the simple matter that you haven't had nearly as many breakups as a lot of people. No, that's true. Like, which is the thing, like you've, you've been married for so long and you got married so early. Like I, you've heard a lot about my exes. Yeah. You don't have nearly as many exes as I do. My first, my first ever breakup, my first ever breakup was a week before Mel broke up with me. Like, right. I'm pretty green on that whole front. (laughs) Yeah. And I've been through the ringer. Yeah. So, yeah, like I, I just found it really interesting how all of a sudden I can hear this song and know what it's about. Whereas previously Mm -hmm. it had just been words. Yeah. Yeah. It it strikes you differently when when you can suddenly relate to the song. It I mean that's true for any song. Is this is this your favorite favorite track of Artificial Heart? I'm curious. This is it might be my favorite track on Artificial Heart. I think the close second would be the track right before it, Dissolve. Dissolve is good. I do love Dissolve. Which is also kind of breakup-y. It is like it opens with the lyric on the day she finally left me. Yeah. Well, more than kind of break upy. Okay. Yeah. I forgot about that being the first lyric. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. It's although it is interesting to me that both of them that you'd pick are so break upy. 
they're both they're musically distinct on the record. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Dissolve is that song that's like really driven by just that single electric guitar that's soloed out. Mm-hmm. It's just it's yep. this really good like you get into the rhythm of the song and then it hits you with the lyrics. And then Nobody Loves You Like Me is just the voice and the vocoder and some very, very light percussion. Yeah. Yeah. Which I adore. It's weird that one, there's that, there's that, oh, the, it's great. It's really well instrumented, but that, which makes that one, there's a version on YouTube that doesn't have the percussion. It's just the controller, the mini controller. And that's, you really notice it when there's only a couple elements and one of them are missing. Yeah, you really do. Um, also, yeah. I was wrong. This did not come out in 2012. It came out in 2011. Sorry, listeners. Oh, shit. That was... Oh, my God. Oh, wow. You're... Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, hmm. Hmm. We've been recording mm. for an hour 15. At some point, the listeners oh, are going to say, hey, isn't this show normally an hour long? And we're going to say, well, yes, it is. Thank you for your keen observation. We should end it just now. We should end it just now. Yeah. <laughs>